I tell them welcome to the gray area and stay away just in case you ain't real enough to relate. Every other Thursday, politics to the chips. Get up on this wave. <laughs> now tell me what's to talk about. Cause we the only thing to talk about. How you keep reality in check? Just keep it real rapping. Don't gossip with the facts. Yeah. The basketball season might be over, but that doesn't mean the gray area won't talk some hoops. I got a coach with me for a change. This is the gray area, and I am your host, Ray Jarvis. Showtime! We come back to the Kings County sit down with a little coach talk, a little goat talk. I got a special at the end of this interview here. So stick around, don't dip off. But my guest here, Coach Jamal Womack, finally welcome to the gray area. Thank you. My Man, guy. thank you. It was it was my fault. I didn't make it last time. We had some some scheduling issues, but I'm blessed to be here now and I'm happy to be on the show. Listen, listen, that's it's old news, bro. We're not even worried about that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Brother man, before we yes, get started, I, I'm doing something very special at the end of this episode. So I'm going to give a bit of a teaser right now. I have a question for you off the top of your head. In, in, in the GOAT conversation of the NBA basketball, so on and so forth, between Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who, who, who do you have ranked higher? That is, that is a loaded question. And GOAT talk is always a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, for what I saw for the era I came up in, for the greatness that I witnessed, I have to tip my hat to Michael Jordan. And the reason is that saying is Michael Jordan changed the entire landscape of basketball, not just what his accomplishments happened on the court. We know what he did with the six rings, six finals MVPs, you know, defensive play of the year. We saw the moments, but Michael Jordan made basketball a global sport. Yes, Magic and Bird saved the league, but Michael Jordan took it to the level where he couldn't, he went to Europe and everybody knew who he was more than probably if they knew who the president of the United States was. Fair enough, fair enough. Kareem, Kareem, great player. If you had to include high school to their retirement, you probably would take Kareem in terms of of basketball, all things included. But when I just think professionally, NBA, what they did, what they meant for the entire brand of the NBA, what they accomplished, their peaks, who held on to the crown for the longer amount of time? Who held on to dominance for the longer amount of time? I got to go Michael Jordan. My guy. I like that. I like that. Cool. All right. So, boom. We got the go talk out of the way. More on that later. Make sure y'all tune in and check that out. But specifically here, I have the coach, a person that I've gone back and forth with on the sports hit list. Shout out to the fellas over there. But he, he's played the game. He's coached the game. So, my question to you is... Like, what is your experience with basketball? When did it start for you? When did you fall in love with the game? And where your relationship is right now? Well, um, I, I first, I got to give a, a big shout out to my aunt, Avelia Devino, and my mother, Tyrene Campbell, who at a young age, you know, growing up in the Bronx, uh, I grew up with not a lot, you know, like a lot of people in their story. You know, I still had a roof over my head. Right. You know, I still had clothes on my back, which I was grateful for, but... You know, I wasn't able to enjoy a lot of the different things that a lot of kids got to enjoy. So with that being said, you know, what's the, what's one of the cheapest things you could get a kid? It's a basketball. Talk about you it. Know, I remember I remember my first basketball was a rubber basketball. And people always talk about how I love Michael Jordan. But it was actually, I couldn't afford the Jordan basketball. My mom's got me the Scottie Pippen basketball. <laughs> so <laughs> Not a bad 30, second option. Yeah, it was, it, I think it was definitely the year when Jordan retired when I got my first person in basketball it was okay. 90, had to be 94 Knicks was, was going to the championship so you know I'm a Knicks fan oh you so you were lit <laughs> you kill me about it every time you get a chance to but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Knicks fan so I was lit got the basketball and I just remember going to the park going around the corner to the park in the Bronx where I grew up with and I was small I was short I couldn't play with everybody when they were there but as soon as they would leave, I have the court to myself. And I remember just shooting at night. Uh, my mom's would tell a story how it was snowing in February, ice on the floor. You couldn't even bounce the basketball. And that's how I got my jump shot good because I just shoot, 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 shoot. And from there, the love of the game just, you know, took over me. You know, I was able to, I went to performing arts school from the fourth to the 10th grade, Boys Choir of Harlem. Did some great things with them, traveled the world, sang on some some big rep records, you know, Jesus Jesus Walks with Kanye West, two oh, words with Kanye. You want that? 
Yeah, I'm on Jesus what? Walks. Yep. What? Fact. I'm on Jesus Walks. That Jesus Walks. That was me singing when I, I forgot what age I was. You know, I was on a crazy. lot of a lot of records back in the day. I did some, you know, a lot of stuff with some some artists. You, you heard of Harlem World? Yes, uh, of course. The Harlem World album, Change Gonna Come. That's the last title on the album with Mace. I was on that track as well. So I was blessed to do a lot of different things. But in the tenth grade, I just had. I was a, I was at a middle point in my young life where mm-hmm. I loved basketball and I would play in the summertime. The Menacing Townhouse, which is on Team Rockefeller, which is on 140, I believe 142nd and Lennox. Okay. And they kept telling me like, yo, if you want to play basketball, you got to go to a high school where you can play on a team. You can't be singing. You know what I mean? So time out, time out, time out. I got to jump in for a second. You you out here living this Forrest Gump life. You you sang on Jesus Walks. You playing on Team Rockefeller Uptown. Like, yo, like you, you've lived a hell of a life here. Listen, man, I tell people all the time, people, my, my, they always tell me you should write a book on your story. And I tell them, you know, when God points me in that direction, you know, maybe my words and maybe my life story can help someone else with what they're going through. There's a lot of different sub stories and sub sub situations that are within my life of what I went through, including with the choir and with playing basketball. But, you know, all of that has led me to where I'm at now. So I'm very grateful for it. But I, I did I did do struggle. I did have a good upbringing I, I got to experience a lot which has you know been a benefit to me as a coach and even right. when i played in europe you know professionally all those different lessons that i learned actually made me the person i am so you know i'm very very grateful for my experiences very grateful for uh you know the boys of harlem for our savior lutheran where i went to high school at okay. which i'll get back into that and saint francis college where i went to college to play basketball but you know um if i could go back a little bit to, to, to that 10th grade I had just finished playing in the summer. You know, I played in Rod Strickland tournament. I mm-hmm. played in Citywide, Rucker. And they were telling me, you got to go to high school to play basketball if you want to play college basketball. Now, right, absolutely. That, that was everybody's dream. You know, you watch the Final Four, One Shining Moment. You know, I remember MSG. Not, there was no Fox Sports at that time, but MSG used to put all the uh, local college games on. Yes. And I knew I, I knew I was good enough because I was playing against some of these kids who were ranked in the country in the summertime but i couldn't be ranked because throughout the whole from september until june i was singing okay you know so i begged my mother my aunt this is the only time i ever went against my aunt and she tells me this is the only time i was ever right my (laughs) aunt told me you're not transferring you traveling the world you're a singer you're gonna go to college for singing and my mother was like and i was raised by my aunt even though you know my mother she went through a little hardship okay she you know she went through a little rehab stint when I was younger, you know, so I, my, my, my aunt adopted me. And, excuse me, not adopted me. I was in the foster care for a little while. And then my aunt took me over as my full-time guardian from the foster care. And my mother, she, you know, God, God bless, got her life together and got everything going the right way. And she had moved back to the Bronx. And my, my mother, she just looked at me. She said, well, if you want to play basketball, then you want to play basketball. You're going to pick the right school. So my best friend at the time, Adam, Adam Maldonado, he was going to a small private school named Art, named Octavia Lutheran in the Bronx, which has a rich history of basketball. I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, so Octavia Lutheran had a rich history, won state championships. A lot of players won D1, but the program had faded for like the last four years, and they was just coming off a two-win season. So he had told me, like, yo, come to my school. You're going to be the man. Like, there's nobody at the school but me. We're going to run it, and this year we'll be okay, and next year we'll get some more guys. And we'll be you'll, you'll definitely get some college looks. So I was being recruited by Scanlon at the time. Oh. I was thinking about going. I was being recruited by LaSalle High School. And a lot of people don't remember, Lenny Cook was just at LaSalle before then. Uh-oh. I was going to transfer to So you were going to walk in and fill the shoes of Lenny Cook? Well, not fill the shoes. Originally, I was supposed to walk in and play the point guard okay. with Lenny Cook on the team. But Lenny decided to leave LaSalle and go to Old Tappan High School in New Jersey. Okay. And, and when he went to Old Tappan, I was like, there's no reason for me to go to LaSalle, which was always in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and I lived in the Bronx. Yes, type D. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, now, if I'm playing with Lenny Cook, who's the number one rated player in the country, I'm going there, because everybody's going to be watching me throw alley-oops to Lenny Cook. Right, and you'll get looks that way. Exactly. So I decided to go to R. Savior Lutheran, and man... I ran the city by storm. My junior year, nobody really knew about me in the in the scholastic levels. I averaged around 41 points per game in the in the whole league during the whole season. 
had a 60-point game that really put me on the map. They put me on MSG High School where they did a feature on me. That senior year, I played on the Nike circuit. So, you know, I traveled with Riverside with Riverside Church with a couple big players, you know, A.J. Price, Terrell Biggs, oh. Derek Character. These are, these are uh, some names of that era. Yeah, Keith Benjamin, you know, who went to Pittsburgh, Dexter Gray, who went to St. John's, and I only these guys are on my team. Jason Holmes, who went to LeMoyne, great D2 player. A lot of people think D2 guys can't play. Jason was D1, Division One caliber, but chose to go to a level that fitted him, and he wound up, you know, doing very well there. So I got to shout out Jason. But that summer, I did very well. Went back to our Savior Lutheran, and like my man Adam said, he was no Stradamus. We got like three transfers that 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 summer. One kid came from Rice High School, Marcus Lamb. Okay. Another kid, David Cobb, who went Division One. He came from uh from Brooklyn, and we end up running the private school league that year. We went undefeated in the league. My average went down from forty to thirty, but I won. Teams gave me looks, and I had about twelve Division One scholarships offers. I mean, uh, most going down from forty to thirty. I mean, it's still thirty, coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's. That was Kobe numbers. I was, but you know what? That's why I, I can relate. I can't relate to Kobe on an NBA level, but I can relate to that shift that Kobe made right. from when he was finishing eighth, ninth, and averaging forty. You know, thirty-eight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Those crazy, absurd numbers. Till when he got Paul Gasol and those guys, and his numbers went down, but he wanted to win. You know, that's what what happened to my senior year. You know, I wanted to win, and I knew winning was going to attract more notoriety for me in the school. So I sacrificed, you know, some of my points and accolades, but we won and more. We played a tougher schedule because we had we had the horses to pay that tough schedule. And that's essentially what got me my looks and, and essentially what got me my look from St. Francis for where I chose to go to. OK, so, you know, you named a lot of names there from from that era. Some of the notable New York point guards, were you able to go up, head up against them and have some great matchups? Were you lucky enough to deal with that? Like, did you cross anyone's path that went far as far like maybe league or overseas? Of course. I mean, I went head to head with Sebastian. Oh, you know, me and Sebastian, we went head to head. We knew who each other was. Actually, Sebastian used to come to St. Francis in the summer when I was in college and he was in the NBA. He used to come work out and play pickup with us in St. Francis. Oh, that's dope. So me and Sebastian went head to head. Eugene Lawrence, who went to St. John's and played overseas for so many years. We went head to head. Eugene Lawrence. Um, I think he went to my high school. Did he go to Canarsie? Canarsie, yeah, he went yeah, to Canarsie, I then think, he transferred to Lincoln. Yeah, I think Eugene was there when I was there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, actually, I gave Canarsie 40, though, in, hey, well, in 2003. It is At Gaucho's gym. I gave, actually, Canarsie is what got me St. Francis. Like, I literally really? we played them. In, we played him in Gaucho's. I had, like, 30-something, 40 points. And then we played him at LIU Brooklyn at the old LIU, which people used to call the theater. Right, I remember that. And we played him in the theater. I had another 30, 30 point game. And the head, the, the the assistant coach at St. Francis at that time was the head coach now, Glenn Breaker. He saw me play that game. And immediately, I mean, immediately, the next week I had a game at Kennedy High School. He was there. And he told my head coach, listen, this is you're the point guard of the future. We want you at St. Francis, small school. We think you love it. And, you know, that's how relationships build. You know, that's the same guy who hired me to become a Division One assistant coach. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, my, my high school out here getting you looks. Shout, shout out to the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> now, Canarsie was tough, man. Canarsie had hoopers all the now, time. I remember because I, I went there from 98 to 02. So they, they had a couple of guys that bust my ass in gym. So I'm, I'm very familiar. And a couple of them I went to junior <laughs> high school with even. So I knew they were nice. I was never good at basketball. But I knew what good looked like. And I'm like, these guys are filthy. So as soon as you say Listen. Eugene's name, my my. my my eyebrows and I'm like, oh yeah, Eugene was a monster. He, he because Canarsie was a football school. So when when th- when this team in particular got together and Eugene started to ring bells, I was like, oh, this football school with Coach Cam actually has a basketball team as well. So yeah, sh- shout out to that team. Give, give give credit where credit is due. Better, better. But look, like you said, for what you do now, it's more important that you know what good looks like. So you actually came up from watching that first and foremost. Ain't nothing like getting like, your right ass there. busted. <laughs> In, in HD, 4K quality, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, so take us to St. Francis now. You know, a lot of people, like, outside of the, the state of New York might not be the most familiar with that program, but we know that's that's a pretty decent basketball school. So, like, you get there as a freshman. Did you feel intimidated? Did you feel like, oh, this is like my school. I'm about to take this over immediately. Now, you, you want to talk about, remember, remember I told you my life could be a book, right? Yes. Now, I'm about to take you to the next chapter of the book, which is crazy. So, 
I decided to go to St. Francis. Now, it took me some time because some people were trying to be in my ear and say, hey, go to prep school. You only play one summer, really, at the highest level on the circuit. A lot of people don't know you. If you go to prep, you know, you're going to blow up. You go to the Big East. So they want you to reclassify? Yeah, basically just do a prep year. Yup, reclassify. And I thought about doing it. I actually played in a a spring tournament in, uh, I played in a spring, spring tournament in Providence. And I played really, really well. Everybody was asking about me. But at the end of the day, you know, I got home and I just realized that I wanted to go to college. I was tired of high school. I didn't want to go to a prep school and wear another uniform. I had worn a uniform since the third grade. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to wear regular clothes and be around people my age and enjoy college. Right. But here's the here's the here's the trick though. Because of something with the NCAA and because of one of my classes in the private school, I was a partial qualifier. No. Yeah, man. And I didn't know this until about two weeks before school started. So even with me going to school, I decided I didn't care. So I paid my own tuition my first year in St. Francis. That's not a cheap tuition, bro. No, I mean at that time it was really, really good. It was about twelve thousand a year, which was good. It's pretty good now. <laughs> it's pretty good now compared to private schools. True, you know, true. It, it does a good job for a private education. It's it a ain't great, CUNY great, though. Great value. So you know, basically, I had to get a job. I worked in a political science department. And that's why I became a political science major. Okay. Uh, I also, from working every summer at a non-for-profit in the Bronx. What I forgot was that that non-for-profit, a lot of people don't know about. Do you remember AmeriCorps? Yes. I worked for AmeriCorps. So AmeriCorps had a $5,000 scholarship for anyone who worked two summers and went to college. Oh, wow. So now my bill goes from $12,000 to $7,000. After financial aid, because my my aunt is raising me and she's not working and, you know, she's disabled and I don't have a lot of money. You know, I'm pretty much only paying $2,000 out of pocket. That's a deal. That's the best investment of my life. A lot of people would have said, Joe, go to junior college, go to prep school. 2004, this is 2020. I just got a promotion at St. Francis College. That was the biggest investment of my life, was betting on myself and betting on where I felt comfortable at, with a place that loved me, a small community that I knew would take care of me for the rest of my life. And that proved to be a great investment. So I sit out my first year and my coach gets fired. No way. Who recruited me. Yup. He gets fired. New coach comes in, Brian Nash. And the first thing he did was bring me to his office. And I was nervous as heck. I remember I called my AAU coach, Oz Cross. He was my high school coach, excuse me. And I told him right after they fired Coach Ganyan, I said, I want to transfer. And he said, calm down, calm down. Why you want to transfer? They just fired my coach. I don't know who the new coach is going to be. I don't know if he's going to like me. I'm a small point guard. Uh... You know, I got to get out of here. He's like, well, you are a partial qualifier, which means I couldn't transfer and play immediately. Oh, so you'd lose more time on the transfer. Yeah, exactly. So I was stuck. It was either go to Juco or you got to go somewhere and sit out. Now, mind you, I didn't play for a whole year. So who was going to take a chance on me not playing for a year just to sit out on a team and take a scholarship? Right. So I met with the coach, Coach Nash. The first thing he said was I called around. I talked to everybody from New York, and they said the first thing you need to do is make sure Jamal Womack is staying at St. Francis. So he didn't promise me anything. He just said, listen, you're going to have to work for everything, but from what I'm hearing about you, you're going to have no problem. And, you know, I had a great career. Four-year starter. You know, I graduated 15, top 15 all-time scoring, top five in assists, top five in three-pointers made, you know, top five in steals. And that opened the door for me to uh, to take that trip across the waters and play professionally for a couple of years. Now, hold on a second. Before we get there, most players of your caliber, their dream is to go to the league. So what what was the reason that you didn't make it to where you ended up overseas? Was it just a matter of size, talent, <laughs> politics? It could be a slew of things. Like What, what held you up from going to the NBA? I'm going to tell you the truth that people don't like to say. I wasn't good enough. Wow. That's the that's the truth. Like I was a very good player. I was a good Division One point guard. I was an average Division One player when you compare it to all the players in 2009 that went to the NBA. We talking about this is the year when Brandon Jennings. They stopped the people going straight from high school at 2009. This is true. So Brandon Jennings is going to Italy to play. 
Stephen Curry is the best point guard in the NCAA, and he's still at Davidson, so he's still underrated. I got players that I grew up with. Russell Robinson, Senyata Gaines. Russell Robinson won the championship with Kansas. They yeah. beat Memphis that year. He was a starting point guard. Russell lived around the corner from me in the Bronx, New York. Went to Rice High School. He didn't go to the NBA. He just disappeared, what made it seemed me, like. And, what and made me think that I was going to go to the NBA? So did you did you bother to even throw your name in the hat? A workout? Nothing? No, no. I mean, at that time, the summer league wasn't what it is now. Okay. I always tell people that. Had the summer league been what it is now, I would definitely have gotten a couple tryouts. I would have definitely had a chance with the right agent to go probably play in a summer league game or two. You know, so many G League teams now with uh-huh. your connections being in Brooklyn. You know, I could have practiced with the Westchester or practiced with the uh, with the Long Island Nets. But at that time, it was limited spacing for those, those next levels. So... Right. You had two options. Did you want to chase the dream or did you want to go with what gave it to you? And I learned from my history, this is a repeat, right? Uh-huh. My freshman year, do you want to go to St. Francis or you want to go to Juco and maybe end up at a place lower than St. Francis? There's no guarantees. So I had an agent, Jan Whelan. He had just started his sports agency, former player in, in Finland, former player in Germany. You know, grew up with, with Dirk Nowinski. He knew all about the agency. He knew all about professionalism in Europe. He was connected. And I was one of the first people to ever sign to his agency. And when a lot of people weren't weren't getting deals, my 5'8", 165 frame from small St. Francis was headed to <laughs> Finland in September of 2009. All right. So we overseas. Whole new world. Whole new lifestyle. Was there a massive culture shock or... Did you just try to find your way in and just play ball and figure out the rest later? Uh, Finland was amazing. Like, Finland is is very close to any big city you have. Because I was I was near in Portoville, which is a town that's near the capital of Helsinki. So, if we're talking about New York, where people can understand, I was living in New Rochelle. And Manhattan was Helsinki. Okay. So... You know what I mean? So I was close, and my agent lived in Helsinki. So again, I'm picking things not just off of this basketball. I'm picking things off of life. I can be 30 to 40 minutes away from my agent who has an apartment in Helsinki, Finland, who could come see me play, who could come see me practice. I can go to his house, use his phone, which can call America. You know, use his free Wi-Fi. You know, go hang out with him when I'm feeling homesick. So I was lucky to have been going to a city for my first contract that was very similar to America, and, and I didn't even tell you this nugget. My roommate for two years in America at St. Francis lived was from Finland. Oh, so he lived and he was a professional player. Now he was the highest scoring national player in the country. So you know, I when you're not including Americans, you're including just Finnish players in 2009, 2010, he was one of the top Finnish players there. So I knew I had roots there. You know, I had people backing me up, and and one of the players on the team I played for was from Harlem, New York. So. You know, I was pretty good in Finland. I loved Finland. Uh, but, you know, as time would tell you, God had another plan. And I always, always, since I was a child, wanted to live in Italy. Right. And in November, I got lucky. Unfortunately, someone in, in Italy, a point guard, you know, got injured. That owner, he wanted to have a good point guard come in immediately. He didn't want to get somebody who was in America. He wanted somebody from Europe. Okay. And just so happened, somebody that I did a favor for was the power forward on that team. And he repaid that favor by telling that franchise, that team in Reggio Calabria, Italy, to sign me. So we go from Finland to one of the most beautiful countries in the world, Italy. Um, I've yeah. already seen like film of the Italian leagues. Like, Take us inside of that. Like European basketball seems like a soccer crowd inside of a basketball arena. Like, What's the energy like for a hooper in that? I mean, the energy is crazy, man. Like, like the fans, like, I mean, it's it's a lot of these teams are families, man. Like, like, like I tell people, I'm still close with the Italian owner that I play for. Except for this summer, every year I go to Italy for about two weeks and I stay at his house. And, and I just hang out with him. Because once you, it's family, it's blood. Like, these people breathe their sports. I lived in Reggio, um, which is the same city that... Uh, Kobe Bryant's father played for. Okay. When when he was in, that's the same city Manu Ginobili played for. So it has a rich basketball history. And, and when I got there, you know, the energy was crazy, man. I mean, these people, you see them at dinner, 
You know, you see when you go to a grocery store, when you go to opposing arena, fans are screaming, cursing you out. You know what I mean? They telling you not to score. It's real energy. I mean, it was a different energy. You don't get that. NCAA, you got fanatics. But over there, these people, they breathe their sports. You know what I mean? And and, and especially because there's a soccer culture. Right. So you know how soccer is a cult culture. They, they If you live in a city that has both teams, they're going to pass that over to basketball. So, you know, it was just a lot of pressure. And, um, you know, these guys wanted to, they had a two-year window where they wanted to win the championship. And, you know, that first year was pretty tough. When I got to Italy, I think my team was in, like, 14th out of 16th place. Damn. And he wanted a chip in the two-year window? Yeah, man. Now, listen, it happened. By the end of that year, by bringing me over, we got to finish the league in seventh place, right? Okay. No, sixth. We finished in sixth. We beat the third-place team in the first round of the playoffs. And we ended up losing to the second place team in the quarterfinals. Okay. I mean, the semifinals. And then the next year, we won the championship. Mission accomplished. Mission I, accomplished. You I, know what I mean? That was all they wanted. You know, they just wanted to, 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 to win the championship. So the first year, Italy. Second year, Finland. Third year. I mean, first year, Finland. Second year, Italy. Third year, Italy. We win the championship. And that's it for me. I, decide, I decided to, to, to step away from playing. Yo, you, see, you read my mind because that was going to be my follow-up question. Like, Because you're younger than me based on the year breakdown, so you could still physically play the game. But what made you want to stop? Well, um, a lot of people understand that being overseas is the, uh, it's a long haul, man. Okay. I mean, like, you leave in August. If you're lucky, you come home in December for a week or two. Uh. Then you back going until June. And remember... Every year, I was playing in the Final Four. So that last year, when I won the championship, we almost into July. You know? So I'm coming home, and remember I told you, I have been a performer singing since I was eight years old. So we talking about, I was on tour every October, every November, doing gigs in New York City for Christmas time, every December. January, I had a little break. On tour again for February, on tour again for April. March, I mean, excuse me, May was a, a calm off. June was a calm off. July, I was gone for singing again. So we got from the age of three to basically the age of 27. I don't see my family. So you were tired. I was tired. Mm. I, I was I was seeing my sister had a daughter. My brother had a daughter. My mom's was living in Middletown, New York. I was tired of just seeing people for holidays. You know, I, I miss my family. And I just decided that for me, I have reached the pinnacle of my professional career. I didn't see NBA. I didn't see the highest team in EuroLeague. I thought this was it for me. I, I had won a championship. I didn't see anything else I needed to prove, you know. And that's why people say stuff about Jordan all the time. And again, I'm not comparing myself to Jordan, but I know how it feels after a long grind to see that you accomplish what you needed to and say, I want to tackle something else. I mean, you understand the mind of an athlete. We know how sports fans give it up. Who does he think he is to say that? But again, there's a guy sitting in front of a computer. Then there's a man who played the sport and who, and who lived it for decades. You would get why an athlete would want to stop this. I, I've, I've won all the accolades. I've got championships, MVP, so on and so forth. You're, you're physically tired because people go on as if like these guys, these athletes are, are video game players. Like They're still human, you know. There's a human element to that. Fatigue is real. And, and then it's not like you in the States. You're overseas in a foreign country. Granted, you made it your home, but that's not home. So at some point, you want to come and, home. And 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 the treatment was different. Like I was nursing, you know. I I had got through that last year and fit in Italy uh, with with a knee problem. You know, I had barely. You know, I was on my my load management the last <laughs> month. Seriously, the last month in the playoffs in the season, I wasn't practicing. Oh wow! Like I, I was just shooting around because I was every day having to go get treatment, and it's not like some teams don't have like necessarily in their arena the the, the treatment facility. You got to go to a specialized doctor, and I had came home, and it's crazy because I remember I went to overseas camp to get a new contract. Like I, I had not one hundred percent retired, and my knee was still hurting, and I played very well against some high players. I mean, there was some guys who were borderline NBA there. 
And I played really well. And I had offers coming from Germany, top league. I had offers coming from Italy, offers coming from Finland. And I just looked at my body and I just said, at that time, I didn't know the retirement was going to be forever. But I said, I just need a break. So St. Francis was crazy is that at that time, they had just built the first dormitories. They just had the first dorms. The dean of students was a close, close mentor of mine. And I was student body president. I didn't talk about that in school. I was very active socially, very active on campus with things not just including basketball. Okay. So I, I was student body president my senior year, and I, I got to know everybody on campus. And the dean of students had brought me to the side in the summer when I went to visit. She said, Jamal, listen, we need somebody to run the housing. This is our first year running the dorms. We understand you've never done residence life. But basically, we need somebody who's respected by a lot of these students and someone who knows the lay of St. Francis. You are a perfect candidate. If you want to apply, again, they can't tell you you're getting the job, but she said you're a high candidate. If you want to apply, this is the salary, plus we're going to give you an apartment in downtown Brooklyn. Bingo. Say no more. I'm living in downtown Brooklyn where you can't, it's the most expensive real estate in New York City now. I got an apartment that oversees the Brooklyn Bridge, and I'm working at my alma mater, which I love so much. So it was a no-brainer. It was full circle. It's full circle. And I still got the coach. That's when I started getting into AAU, and I started coaching some of these guys that you see in the NBA now. That's what it is. So now, boom, speaking of coaching, and this is the stretch run of the interview. I, I was saving the basketball for the end. I wanted the people to get to know you first before we got on the court. So I, I'm a, a big fan of basketball. You already know this. Um, I look at the, the NBA game today. You, you, you see that the AAU circuit and everything like that. And, and I, I feel as though the NBA game has kind of adopted a lot of the AAU kind of vibe with the free-flowing offensive basketball. Um, I, I believe that there needs to be more physicality in the game. I feel like defenders need to be a little more handsy with the opponent. I'm not saying like we, we need to go back to the 90s where scores were 77 to 70 or something like that. But I'd like to more embrace what was in the 80s. You still had the high-paced games, but defenders were allowed to do a little bit more. Not necessarily hand-checking, but you know what? Can, can I bump a guard? Can I, can, I, can I do a little bit more as opposed <laughs> to, 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 to playing this Matador defense? So what do you say to fans like myself who say we want more physicality on the defensive side of the ball in today's game? I say I agree with y'all. and um, People can call us old and changing of the guard, but like, listen, basketball is a contact sport. You're right. You know, I understand the NBA. This is where, you know, it started with Jordan. We're not going to sit here and lie. Right. Like, it was super physical until Jordan became an icon in the late 80s. And they started to see what the Pistons did to Jordan, even though they still allowed the Pistons to do it. But after Jordan claimed the crown and showed that your your brand is going to sell more with less violent and less hard-hitting, you got football for that in America, you know? So the NBA started to dial it down and everyone takes their, their note from the NBA. So, you know, but what we got now is is super watered down. You know, like the NBA calmed it down and then it got to a point where you can't touch someone. It really started with the first hand checking, like you said. Yes. Once they hand checking was great because defense, you're at a disadvantage. You don't know. It's like it's like in bat in football. You can touch a player within those first five yards. Right? Yeah. You Those got, first five you yards. You get the bump and run receiver. and all of that and everything after yeah, that. Yeah, when a wide receiver running his route, you can bump him, you can you can push him, you can touch him, you can make a field in after those five yards. Yep. You got to give separation and you can't go for it until the ball is thrown in the air. Same thing with basketball. That's what hand checking was. It wasn't you ride your opponent all the way to the basket. It was that first little move. If you tap him on the hip, don't grab his arm, but you could tap him. You could use your your elbow or yes, your forearm. I, yeah, a little yeah. bump, something. A something bump. that I would say, coach forced offensive players to get more in a bag as far as skill-wise to get this defender off of them. I feel like when I look at it now, it's like they don't really have to do much to get a clean lane to the basket. They don't have to They don't have to go into their they secondary or their third move to get a, a defender off of them. They do their one move and they get they get a clear shot. And I'm like, this is disgusting. Yeah, I mean, they, they did it for the brand. They wanted to score more points. You know, we, we you kind of got to look at it too. What happened? <laughs> I would love to do a deep dive on what happened after that, that 2004 Detroit Pistons championship. Yeah, 
where they just locked in and locked loaded and, and they ain't let nobody score on them. And no, you know, it was them. You're right. It's no. You know what? It started with the 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 OGs of that was the Pat Riley era Knicks, and then Van mm-hmm. Van Gundy adopted that after Riley moved on. Then Miami adopted the Knicks ways with Pat Riley, and then the Detroit Pistons mastered that style of play. Yeah, and, and then other teams play like like you got to remember those Indiana Pacers yes. with the Malice in the Palace. The Malice in the Palace started off because of hard play. Oh yeah, a forearm to the so- chest. I remember. Yeah, so the NBA was like, listen, we got to clean the sport up. You know, the NBA did it all. Once the brand got to that highest level after right. MJ and they were on the world-dominant stage of being the number one world sport that was crossing over, that's when the NBA said, we're going to clean up the entire image, not just on the basketball court. You saw what they did with, with the, the dress code and with all that stuff as well. So it was an overhaul of the entire system. And that's why we get today where we get the watered down game. I think the NBA should get a little more physical. I'm not talking about go back to the Pistons days or even the Knicks days or the, or the Pacers, you know, days. I'm just saying, let's get a little physical. Let's let these guys play. You know, you got grown men out here, 250 pounds, running up and down 6'9", 6'10". You got to let them play and use their strengths. Or the game, that's why the big men has become obsolete. Yo. You only got like five or six really good big men. Because everybody's teaching their players how to be guards now because that's the only advantage you get. Yeah, it, it literally doesn't pay with the exception of a few players to be a skilled big. And even those skilled bigs have to have a three-point shot in their bag. Like, even down to Joel Embiid, who I'm sure would rather be a post player, he needs a three-point shot. I think Anthony Davis could be the most dominant post player if he wanted to, but because of what the league demands and because of the analytics of the sport, it forces all of these bigs to drift outside. And if you're not drifting outside, they calling you a rim runner now so all your your job is to, to block shots and catch alleys like that's not basketball to me i understand that's where the sport is today but i'm like there's so much more you can do we saw it work before the showtime lakers still had kareem bro <laughs> they figured fact, out how to do both like patrick ewing wasn't shooting threes neither was akeem Olajuwon. come on you Look. know ben wallace wasn't shooting threes Shaq wasn't shooting threes you know, we saw that come in the end of the in the end of the nineties. I mean, excuse me, the end of the two thousands. Yeah, the end of the two thousands. You know, there was a new star being established. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant was 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 the star. LeBron James was waiting in the wing. They wanted it to go back to a guards game. They wanted to open the court up. They wanted to allow those players to be able to do more. College basketball was seeing a rise in three point shots yep. made so much that they pushed the three point line back to two thousand and eight because there was too many threes being made. So the game just evolved into more of a shooter's game, more of a, a spacing game. And, you know, that's where we are now. LeBron James in them, you know, even with LeBron, you got to look at the team he had in L.A. You know yeah. more than me. It was nothing but LeBron, A.D., and a bunch of shooters. Bro, I keep it 100 with you because that's what I do on the gray area. I'm a Laker fan, and I'm super thankful for 17. But artistically, watching them play was not my cup of tea. Like, as far as my love of the game... I prefer to watch Golden State. Anthony's going to kill me for that. But when it comes to artistic basketball, I felt like Miami played a more artful style. The Celtics play a more artful style. Golden State, when they were killing, I think Brooklyn's going to do more of the same. I want to see the ball move. I want to see skills. I want to see tactics. I don't want to see one guy pound the ball, pound the ball, and space the floor and get a clean lane to the basket. Like, there's no chess in that for me, personally. Yeah, it's, it's all basically what it becomes is who's repping your game. That too. <laughs> Because now you have a guy like Harden killing, and he has a referee who's going to call every ticky-tack foul. The game is over. Yep, it's over. So I'm with you, man. I'm hoping more physicality comes back. I'm hoping we can find a medium, man. Let's, let's meet in the middle. Let's bring a little bit more of the physicality back, you know, but let's still protect the players and protect the brand of basketball. But let's not just go to straight, you know, flag football. Oh, absolutely. Just... I think because of where the game is now with the pace and the, the, the art of spacing, even if you allow defenders more defensive freedom, we'll call it, you're still going to have scores in the hundreds because there's enough possessions to go around. The emphasis on three-point shot will still be there to where the offense can be there, but I might be able to, you know, defend you a little bit more. And then we're not, we not going to get into those poor closeouts because of the, uh, the Zaza rule where guys have to jump to the side of you. That's not basketball. What am I, what's jumping to the side of a dead-eye shooter going to do to him? Nothing. Yeah, that that, that got to be probably the worst, the worst one. You know, I hate – that's the call that even if it's my team, I, I hate to see that. Like, the guys just jump in the air and push their foot out and the ref give them three shots. Or give, oh and God. then now they got the swing-through move now where if you got your hand and they just literally just swing the hand right into your hand 
and they call on a defender, defensive player. Like that's just taking all of the emphasis off of defense, all on offense. And I hope they address, I hope they address that soon. Or the Dame Lillard special where he's coming around to pick and then he stops suddenly and jumps for a shot and the defender's momentum goes right into him and they give him three shots. I'm like, that's we can't we got to stop rewarding nonsense like that. Yeah, for real, that's taking away from the art of the game and all the all the people who really play hard, man. Like we want to, like like you said, if you add a little bit more defense, you'll get still the same amount of scores. Guys will still be probably get more steals. More fast breaks if you let them play a little bit. And the flow of the game will go a little bit better than all of this stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Stop. Right. Coach, you're preaching. Just to be clear, the next time you come on here, I'm gonna I'm trying to see like what the league is doing as far as free agency, the draft, and the restart of the season. So any once they figure their life out with that and everything gets locked in, I'm gonna have you back on and we're gonna go basketball heavy on this episode. But I wanted to thank you for coming on, sharing some of your story, giving us the timeline from from the youth all the way to overseas. I appreciate your time, bro. Nah, thanks for having me, man. And like I said, I appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing. You got a good platform, man. Like you said, you know, ever since you came over to the sports hit list, it's been a great, you know, mix of, you know, emotion, uh, mix of professionalism and, and good debating. So, you know, like like what calls started to what, you know, what you've been doing and now you guys are integrating and, you know, Marcus also, you guys are doing a, a great job and I, I just wish you, all you guys well. And hopefully you guys get your shot at the major media because, you know, I think it'll be great to get some homegrown talent and guys who put in that work. I'm going to get there, bro. Believe me when I tell you, it's going to happen. Even if I got to go into an office and kick doors down and have security try to drag me out, somebody's going to hear from me. But Get your Bobby Smurd on. <laughs> just jump, jump on the table, man. Get you your already Bobby know. But one more thing, just for the people who might not be familiar with you, I need you to, like, identify yourself. Identify you know, yourself. let them know your socials, where they can find Coach Womack on the internet. Well, uh, Jamal Womack, two A's, J-A-M-A-L-W-O-M-A-C-K, if you on LinkedIn, on, uh, I got to check, because I don't, you know, it's crazy, I don't even know all that stuff, <laughs> I don't know all that stuff off of hand, but on, on Instagram, it's jwomack3, so that's J-A-Y-W-O-M-A-C-K-3, um, I'm private, so just request me, and I, I usually add everybody, but it's some crazy bots out there, of who course. just be trying to... Go on your direct messages and do a lot of craziness, so I have to make myself private. Um, on Facebook, I'm just my name. Uh, as a picture of me and my brothers on there. Same thing with my name. And on Twitter, I'm Twitter is where I just literally just look at everything and talk a lot more sports. It's JWO3, J-A-Y-W-O-3. So those are my social media handles. If you're talking sports, if you're talking life in general and you're just positive, add me. I follow back. We can always converse on there. My guy. Appreciate you coming on, bro. Thanks a lot, man. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Peace. Thank you. Coach Womack in the building dropping those gems. You already know the vibe here on the gray area. So, I got a special debate here. Goat Talk. MJ versus Kareem. And we're going to have a special guest come on. So, without further ado, I bring you... Anthony Mullen of the Sports Hit List. My guy, what's good? What's going on, sir? What's going on? So, on my Laker episode, we celebrated number 17. You know, shout out to you, Laker cousin over here. We bought the slap box, but you still family. Uh, congrats, man. You already know. You already know the vibe. So, I mentioned <laughs> that I have Jordan as the GOAT. My GOAT of basketball, mm-hmm. the NBA, etc., so on and so forth. You push back against that. We proceeded to troll each other in the group chat for about two hours. Then I decided, Indeed. you know what? Why waste all this troll energy in the group chat? The people want us to talk about it. So let's talk about it. So right. considering I've already established that I have Jordan as the GOAT, I offer you mm-hmm. the platform now to, to push back against that and let the listeners know who you have as the GOAT. Okay. Well, I'm going to push back against all of that. Okay. And of course, again, you know, like you said, we had the slap box and, and I missed that. That's really what that was. That's really all this is, you know. So <laughs> we, we just had to go in the backyard for a minute, you know what I mean? You know, give, a, give, give each other some love taps on this. But, you know, let me start off by saying, first and foremost, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar okay. is the greatest player 
of all time. He has the greatest resume. Greatest, not the best. Okay. He's not the best player. But when you look at resume, especially the way going by the way they dissected for MJ, okay, let's go by championships. You know, they say, oh, well, MJ six for six or whatever, but, um, you know, Bill Russell, his, his, his 11 doesn't count because it was in the Stone Age. And it, but no, pre-merger. I, I, you have to either. I, I, say that again. Pre-merger. You know that pre-merger. That the competition was trash. But it, it, it matters that that was the. It was still a league. You know. Okay. That was that was what it was. So all all of that stuff matters. What Wilt did. That that stuff matters. Like everything. So now, who who is who who is the Finals MVP even named after? Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Bill Russell. Shout out to Bill Russell. Shout out to him. Facts. Okay. Because okay. really, I, again, I said Kareem, but the reason I'm setting the tone again is because I'm going by the Jordan criteria. So what you're saying Jordan is you're weighing this at. on the scale that they've decided that, and myself yes. included, that Michael yes. Jordan is the GOAT. Indeed. And so, again, you know, we start at the top, which is the championship. So, right. Again. So, it matters. So once you go from him, I, Kareem, he also had six. And Bill Russell wasn't able to get, you know, they talk about the final MVPs. Kareem only has two. So, so again, so back that, to Bill that Russell. That doesn't matter? Six finals, six they, for six, six finals MVPs? Come on, Ant. That matters. It, it, it's on the resume. Yes, all it means is that, yes, you were the best player on the the, 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 in, in on the, the world champion. That that one, yeah, yeah. okay. Kareem it, can't it say that. Kareem can't say that. Okay, but but again, uh, because we we're going about greatest, and uh-huh. what, what does greatest means the most? Greatest means you've done the most. So again, let's right. go back to the most, and why Finals MVP is named after Bill Russell because when the first year that it was supposed to, well, excuse me, the first year that it was giving out. I actually say it was rightfully given to Jerry West. Yeah. Even though he lost the finals, he lost against Bill Russell and them, and, and he still won the finals MVP. I feel it should have been like that, which is why I feel, what was that, a few years ago, LeBron should have won it in the finals MVP. Even though when he they lost, gave it to Iguodala? And he averaged a triple-double and different things like that. Okay, but we're not going to get into that. No, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying. So now... You got finals MVPs. Let's go there. They always talk about scoring, scoring, scoring. Okay, yes. He he averaged uh, 30. He's what? Fifth now, all time? MJ? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Average 30. He's now fifth now, all time. And again, even back to the championships, he played how many years? I think 13 total with those two gaps. 13 total years so he only got he he was only on six championship teams uh-huh. is what you're saying and then another thing too yeah i always um yeah, you said I, only I six y'all. championships bro don't try to slight jordan now to make your no, argument but y'all, no what i was about to say was y'all always downplay his teammates as if you know, they were. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you're not about to do what I think teams. you're about to do. I know you're not about to do that because you just spent what the whole of last week saying that Pippen ain't this and Pippen ain't that, but now now we're downplaying his he's teammates. A great player. You said he's, he's not one player. of the greatest small forwards of all time. So which one is it? No, not he's not top four great. He is. But he's an all time, he's a, he's a top 50 greatest player of all time. But he's you're guilty of, of doing what you say that we do. How, how you figure that? Because you're, you're, you're downplaying Pippen's greatness. Although you're not propping down, out Jordan to do it, you're still downplaying I, it. I, I did not. Okay, if I you say not. so. I did not. It just doesn't level up to being a top four greatest small forward of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, again, back to Jordan and why I... So now, let's go with MVPs. How many MVPs does he have? Jordan, I believe he has five total MVPs. Five? Mm-hmm. Kareem has six. Okay. So f- so okay. he has more regular season MVPs, and Jordan has four more finals MVPs. But go ahead. Right. But, uh, okay, I guess, you know, that matters. It does. Okay. The best player on the championship it's, team, it matters. He was a second. He was Pau Gasol by the second half of the Ooh. 80s. 
who was the oldest person to win a final MVP? Fair enough. Touche. Oh. It's still not six though. What what do you mean? It's not six. It's not it's not six for six. It's not. It's not, but that but they why is that champion- the bar? Because again, we have somebody who would have had nine finals MVPs or however many out of Man, out of those eleven. The Lakers tips. won a championship with Kareem in a suit, bro. You can't say that for Jordan. Like Magic came and that was Magic's team. That was the last game. So? So the what? Last game. Magic still took them home while Kareem was in a suit. It, 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 okay. So, so we, we, we you gonna take we gotta take points off for that. It happened. Okay. The Lakers, the Lakers didn't become. And you have to take and you have to take points off for again when what was it Pippen had the little headache and different things like that. Right. Where was Jordan? He was not even playing. Why? Why couldn't he overcome? Well, he, he, wait, wait, wait. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. You really trying to conflate Pippen having a migraine? I, I, I'm not. I, I, okay. <laughs> oh, all, right, all right. Let's talk about. Let's talk about ninety five. Can we jo- talk about ninety five? Yeah. He, you know, he got beat. Period. But if you're gonna talk about ninety five, what about the late seventies when Kareem was already a Laker and the Lakers were sorry? We, we got to talk about that too. If that's if that's the angle you want to play. What about it? It happened. So for each each point you want to take off, Jordan Kareem has warts too, bro. Really Kareem, that wasn't all Kareem. Kareem, Kareem was, was a Laker. Was Kareem, Kareem not a Laker, bro? Yes. Was Kareem not a Buck first? Oh uh, uh, yeah, he and he won with the Bucks. Got traded to the Lakers, exactly. and the La- where the Lakers win the championships before Magic got there. Say that again. Did when Kareem was a Laker, did the Lakers right. win championships prior to Magic's arrival? No. So what are we talking about? What the does Lakers, that mean? The Lakers were mid. My our Lakers were very average with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. So you want to bring up ninety-five? Pippen? They they were contenders. No, they weren't. They they were in the playoffs. Yes or no? Yes. No, not yes. before Pippen. Pippen was oh, so on they, all of those. They didn't they didn't make Pippen the playoffs. Pippen arrived. Wait, wait, wait. Pippen arrived by then. Remember, oh, so Pippen that's, was that's a game. Wait, time. So wait, 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 wait. So Pippen when they were making the playoffs in the mid to, to I would say mid to early late eighties, Pippen was a factor. That's what you're saying. No, he wasn't. When? Come on now, Pippen, Pippen. Pippen came of age when they started to win championships because and, you, and yeah, they were no, but they weren't a factor uh, around that time. You talking about they were contending, they were losing, they were. They losing lost in the, the conference round. finals the year before Pippen came of age. That what happened. Are you talking about? What do you mean? What I'm talking about? They lost in the conference finals to Detroit in in uh what was what it year, 80, what, in what ninety or eighty nine? Do you think Pippen came of age? What year was this? When when Pippen ninety one what what do you mean no yes stop it. yes stop it. yes because can I finish stop Pippen, it. because Pippen stop it. himself Pippen Scotty no. Pippen himself said he had to get over the hump of getting punked by Detroit Scotty Pippen was already okay. wait Scotty Pippen was old they did not get can I finish Scotty Pippen okay. was already a skilled player. We're not saying he was sorry and he was just riding shotgun like Lamar did with Kobe in the early years in the 2000s. He didn't do that. He was hooping. But when they right. needed when they needed him the most against a top competition, where was Scotty? Right. We couldn't find him. Right. So he had to come of age, bro. You can't take you, you keep trying to discredit, but you're failing here. No, just because no, just because they, they, again, they were getting to the first or second round and then losing. Okay. But he was still he was still the same player. And then again, when everybody elevated, because it wasn't him again, because that's the narrative again. Let's, I'm going back to all the narratives. You know, when Jordan, you know, finally got over that hump, the same thing. You know, the same narrative. He got mm-hmm. over that Detroit hump, and they got tougher, and they lift weights. You know, you know, you remember the videos. <laughs> you yeah, sound yeah, like he was really upset by the last dance, bro. Say that again. It sounds like the last dance upset you a little bit. Yeah, I think no, I think the VHS tape. <laughs> you you watched Come I Fly think. with me? <laughs> Say that again. You watched Come Fly with me? I've seen all of it. I've seen all of it. Okay. But let's go to points now. Mm-hmm. Who's the leader in points? If I'm not mistaken, that's Kareem. Huh? I said if not if I'm not mistaken, that Kareem is the the, the head honcho of points. Okay. He played a thousand years. He had the most okay. unstoppable shot. Oh, oh, okay. That that even goes against him. What's the best availability? Availability. All right. Why wasn't Jordan available more? Hey, who knows? He, he, there's he there's conspiracy to... theories about why he retired. I can't speak to that. Well, that's on that's on him. That's on his resume. That's a knock on him. I guess. Okay. That huh? takes all points for him. You can't just say because he didn't play that. That hey. 
All right, so what you're saying to me now is what I'm gaining from this conversation is you're saying there that Kareem is the clear and decisive GOAT of basketball. Clear GOAT. You don't think that they're unstoppable so, and then they talk about one-on-one player. Right. Uh, Joel is not the best one-on-one player. At, his, like, at the time actually, of his that, that exit, was, at the time of his exit, he was. At the what? At the time of his exit, he was the best one-on-one player, bro. Not gonna no, he wasn't. Who was better than No, he wasn't. Who, who was better? Wilt is the best player ever. Oh, come on. For one. Come on. Wilt is come the best on. player. And then they talk about he was the greatest competitor. When he had a chance to show he was the best one-on-one player, what did he do? Fold. What happened? He said he didn't want to, oh, you know, if I, his excuse was, oh, if I win, then everybody say I was supposed to win because, you know, I'm the best number one of one-on-one player, you know, in that sense, not knowing those words. And then, but he said, if I lose, you know, then it's what, yeah, so... Again, this greatest competitor, these all, all of these narratives that people say, and, and the, when you put that money in the light, it, it's funny. Yo, well, fi- I, uh, I, it, no, it's, it's not. When, when you, all right, in your opinion, it's, it's funny. Fun. But forget the narratives aside. Like you, you want to keep holding on to the narratives. I, I, I don't even subscribe to those narratives. I've seen, I've seen Kareem play uh, Doctor J one on one. That's cool. That Jordan Jordan doesn't have to do it to appease Anthony Mullen. He doesn't have to do that. He he did Not he did at it all, his way. But he could have he could have did it to just a, a, appease his competitive spirit. Remember well, the guy who the same the same people. Bets, but he bets pennies on anything just to say he wins. So okay. why, why not just get in the tournament? The same people won. that you want to see him play one on one against are the same people who are his peers who told who will tell you themselves that yo Michael bust the ass. So like like what you need to see it for? No. Who who said that? You talking about Magic? What? No, we talking about general contemporaries. You you could pull up a Talk quote. About magic? Because that didn't happen. That didn't happen until the dream team when Magic had that boy. That yeah. That didn't happen until then. Salute salute to Magic because Magic was see again. I don't even consider. That, I don't personally would have been the greatest. Personally, oh. I don't consider Magic and Jordan to be contemporaries. I I, I look at Magic as. An era ahead. He was the he was the gatekeeper for Jordan. That's how I look at Magic. I don't look at them as contemporaries at all. I look at the guys who were in Jordan's class in the Eastern Conference. You know, got you know the two guards, the Dominiques, the Reggie Miller, so on and so forth. Those people are his contemporaries. Like like Magic, nah, no, no. When Magic was busting ass, Jordan was still trying to figure out how to, how to play in the NBA. But exactly. So who else did you? So who else were you talking about? Because the guys I'm talking about again, they they, they have history of Charles again, Barkley, another one. Who tell you, Charles Barkley has said it. Malone has said it. Yeah, Gary that's Payton a, that's has a, that's said a, it. That's the, the people who in 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 what the, I'm saying these is these guys are the, these again. Because and, and oh, I talk man. about that too. They talk about competition. But yo, how you saying? Look at that. The, this competition with big guys, like no, see, stop it. The, the elite competition in the league is what it is. You can't pick and choose what the competition is. Because earlier in this debate, you said it is what it is. Uh, uh, the it Celtics, is. The, no, stop. The, can I finish? No, no, no. I'm going to finish. Just like they, just like you want to take away for the competition in in the the, the pre-merger uh, era, again, his competition. No, no, no. But, see, that, but, that, but that's what you're doing here, hypocrite. You're, you're trying to give Bill no, Russell... I'm get, not being a hypocrite. Yeah, you're going to stop cutting me. Your, you're going to stop cutting me off. your points you, against you. You're going to stop cutting again, me off. Again, that's what I'm doing no, this whole not. time. Again, you, can, what did I Anthony, say in the beginning? Anthony, I'm taking Anthony, all of the narrative Anthony. and then I'm breaking it down to show that the money is funny and the like. Everything y'all say... Bro, I've let you speak freely, up. bro. Can you please stop cutting me off? Like, like we're not okay, doing that. We're not doing this tonight. We, I'm, I've let that. you get all your points off. That. Again, when this debate started, you said that the competition was what it was for the Boston Celtics of yesteryear. But now when I bring up Michael Jordan's contemporary, you're saying, oh, it was only bigs, it wasn't guards. So you are, by, are are taking points off of Jordan's competition, but at the same breath, you said that the competition was what it was for Bill Russell. That makes you a hypocrite, fam. We're not going to let no, you talk. You, you just, you just you did can, that. You just did that, bro. Don't say no. You, you just did that. Off, then why can't I take points off for that? Bro, because you, you, you've you already set the template by saying the competition was what it was. Those are your words. And your words was that it wasn't in that pre-merger and Bro, all of that. Bro, you don't see because those—that's my stance. You cannot move the goalposts when you see fit to fit your argument. That's just not how this is going to work move, today. No, you just I'm did not it. Moving it. You just I'm did just it. I'm just taking your goalposts and I'm beating you no, with no, no, it. That's what you, I'm doing. You've established your parameters. 
So now you're going to stand on your parameters. Leave my goalpost alone. I, I let you. Do. I let your goalpost live. When you said that the competition was what it was, I didn't fight you on it. That's your stance. Yeah. Salute to you. But what you don't get okay. to do, what you don't get to do, is tell me how to establish my rubric. Absolutely not. No way. I'm stating a fact. Nah, it's not a fact. If you contradict yourself, you can't contradict yourself and say you you cannot contradict yourself and say you're stating a fact. fact. It's not a fact to say most of his competition. It's a fact to say that the competition was what it was, as you said. Because I didn't say it was trash or nothing. I don't care what you said. You said the competition was what you said. You said it was what it was. I'm not being defensive. It was what it was. You're stuttering now. What about me stating that it was big men? So what? Makes it, because if the competition okay. is what it is, it doesn't matter who they played, right, Anthony? That's what you said. It doesn't matter. And I was just stating the fact that his so, competition was big. He beat him. Unlike Kareem, Kareem had to face tougher competition. He had to actually face these great players. I yeah, I won't. I won't argue that the eight. We know that the eighties was a tougher was a tougher decade than the nineties. We know that. Like, you, I'd be ridiculous to say otherwise. Come on now. Okay. That's irrelevant. But the fact remains is against the competition, who had the better resume? Jordan. No, he doesn't. A second fiddle versus a first fiddle? Come on now. He doesn't. He was part he of J- Jordan. Was, Jordan was, was the band. So, Kareem he was, was a member of the band. His levels. Again, the 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 the, the one that Magic got that was actually supposed to be Kareem. Oh finals, well. But he, don't get hurt. It is what it is. Yeah, I guess so. It, show, it so. shows one, who, one who game, was more important. One game, one game sealed the deal, I guess. Yeah, Ma- magic made magic. It is what it is. But what? But the whole. But, but I think. Up, I, I think the whole '80s let you know who who ran the '80s. Magic Johnson. It was Magic and Kareem. Yeah, was and magic. Kareem was got. Kareem was getting old. In Kareem the 80s. was told that's when to fall did, back. That's when he handed it over. No, just no, no, like no. LeBron about to hand it to AD. It was he taken. It, over. It, it was taken. He ain't hand nothing over. Magic took that. Because because Ask it was magic. best for business. Look it up. Say what he again? I'm sorry. It over. He had to be given the keys. Right. They'll they'll tell me. they'll tell us anything, I, I, but 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 those who I, know know better. These are facts. These are facts. facts. The research. Magic Magic right. has said this out of his mouth. Ma- magic is a known liar. We know this already. Like knock it off. We, to tell I tell oh tell I tell a non Laker fan. Magic magic, magic 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 talks. He's a hustler. <laughs> he talks out of okay. both sides of his mouth all okay. the time. You know that. I know okay. that. Stop. Stop. Okay. Stop. Now back to now now again, back to this whole resume thing mm-hmm. from top to bottom, especially if you want to say NCAA way, high going school, going all the way back from high school. Okay, now we get some every level. So Jordan, Jordan went in college too. What happened? Okay, What's, so we <laughs> how many times? <laughs> how many times? He didn't have the luxury of playing for UCLA. Oh, because you know he didn't have the. Uh, oh, he didn't. So he didn't have the that UCLA. Nah, that UCLA team in the seventies was different, bro. In the sixties and seventies, stop. Like, don't even do that. Yeah, greatest dynasty ever. Greatest dynasty ever. Starting with Cat. I. I mean, look. If if you feel like the the rubric of yours indicates that Kareem is the goat of goats, he is. But being that he was so political. And being that he wasn't nice to media like everybody else was, and kissing their butt. He doesn't get that respect, but he was the goat when he left, and he's still the goat. That's if you base it on the MJ things or whatever the case may be, like that. Because again, you can still go to Bill Russell, but I would never say Bill Russell is the goat. <laughs> this guy, this guy, where he found you at, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we never gonna agree on that. Like, let's be clear, listeners. I don't even like Jordan. Um, if 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 you really want me to be ignorant for the culture and for the gray area, I will tell you what. Scoring titles and all of that don't mean anything to me. Like, I, I would tell people with my chest out, Kobe is the goat. He the greatest I ever seen play. But you know, we, 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 I wanna, I, I I I would go there and stuff like that. But you know, we you you not that person to do that with. So, nah, again, bro, that's why, bro. We a family. We're, we're never gonna argue about Kobe. Like that's not gonna right. happen. You know what I'm saying? I, like I know. I always tell people when it comes to Kobe, I know what I saw, and I ain't seen no else. I didn't see. I have, exactly. still have not seen anyone else do what he did. Just, just imagine if uh, Jordan got drafted to a team with Wilt on it. That's basically what happened to Kobe. Yeah. Oh, Wilt. No, a Wilt that was low key jealous. Shaq, Shaq was jealous. That of Kobe. too. That too. 
So it a guy who was insecure about everything, that's why he left in the first place because Penny was getting commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we're not going to talk about that. But <laughs> it is what it is. He, he ran and then, and then his karma followed him by way of Kobe to L.A. And he tried his yeah. best. He even used Phil as a vehicle to try to work against exactly. Kobe until Phil realized that he was getting duped by Shaq the whole time. I'm surprised Phil ain't write a book about Shaq duping him for eight years in L.A. You know what I'm saying? How, why we don't ever talk about that? Nah, it was always it was always more sexier to to talk about Kobe and bash Kobe because you know that's a, that's another goat who who don't get you know his recognition because of said you know telling people to kiss his butt instead of kissing butt. Oh yeah, you know and different oh, yeah. things like that. So you know, you know, you know, look at look how it comes to Kobe. We arguing about Kareem and and, and Jordan, and we end up on Kobe. All right, so yeah, Kobe's you know, so we so look, fight, we hug and make up. So Kobe's the goat. Then do we agree? Kobe's the goat. Of course. All right. Indeed. It's been decided, y'all. Kobe Bryant's the, gr- the greatest of all time. <laughs> y'all, y- y'all couldn't be upset. <laughs> y'all couldn't be upset. Shout out to my, my Laker cousin, Anthony Mullen, joining the gray area. Yes, you know what I'm saying? We're going to talk again yes, soon. Uh, um, around free agency, once the Lakers, you know, retool the roster and figure out the direction of the franchise co- going in for this repeat, I'm going to have you Indeed. on and we're going to do it again. Nah, indeed. My guy, and I appreciate you, bro. I definitely appreciate you. Yes, sir. Peace. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, another successful episode of The Gray Area. We gave you a little Kings County sit-down. We gave you the GOAT debate, and somehow or the other, Kobe became the GOAT on The Gray Area. You can't lose with this show. You never know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? Um... But again, enjoy the ride. The fourth quarter is mine. You see, I'm dropping weekly, weekly, weekly. The gray area was away for most of 2020. So I'm, I'm trying to catch up on lost time. Y'all deserve it as a listeners. You've stuck with me. And I'm asking you now to lock in. The fourth quarter is going to be heavy. I got an episode coming this week. I got an episode coming next week. I got an episode coming the week after that. Plus the rap roundtable. You know, you already know about the rap roundtable. It's coming soon as well. So, so stay locked in with me. And as the saying goes... Whether you like it or don't like it, sit down and look at it because it's the best going today. Woo! Perfect.